the secret to my wellness routines is meaningful days and pursuits. Meaningful days and pursuits. Wellness to me cannot exist separate than meaning and fulfillment. I could be super healthy and fit. I can be resilient as heck. I can release all the tension in my body. But if I don't feel like the day or the series of days had some, some meaning or some magic to them, if I didn't feel fulfilled with the efforts I was putting in, if even if that went taking care of the home, taking care of the family, that meant doing my art or building my business, if it doesn't feel like it matters and I don't force myself, please listen, I don't force myself to feel fulfilled, just like I don't force myself to feel grateful, then I start going through the motions. Hey, it's Brendan dropping in here on something special. I think the most important thing you can do in your life is to train yourself for real personal growth and success. What does that mean anyway? Well, you have to train your mindset and train your discipline so you can follow real habits of success so that you can break through, so you can win the day more often, so you can crush through all those fears and actually unlock your real potential for abundance and happiness and power and joy. But how? Well, like all learning and all breakthroughs, you have to choose first to learn, to learn from the best, to invest in yourself, to do the work, to do the daily work. You have to train with the best, and that's why we created Growth Day's Mastery Program. Listen, we're going to train you to make self-improvement a real way of life, to unlock your positive attitude and attributes at a whole new level, to get you way more productive and influential, to show you the life and career strategies that make you unstoppable and really work. But how do we do that? Well, Every single week, we bring you a new $50,000 or $100,000 keynote speaker, multimillionaire, or world's foremost expert to switch your brain into high performance mode, to teach you what really works in wellness, in health, in mindset, in productivity. People who really help you unblock and move ahead with really practical strategies for changing your life, your relationships, your health, your career, your mission, your purpose. Every month, we unlock a new course that would have cost you thousands of dollars to buy from other teachers on brain health or positive psychology or confidence. Every year, we give you free tickets to an unbelievable motivational and transformational seminar. Every day, I give you an advanced life coaching audio to keep your mind sharp energized, focused, motivated, confident, ready to serve and to lead and to win and build your greatest future at the levels you dream of. And I promise you, you are capable of. Every day can truly be a growth day for you, but it takes mastery in life. And that's why we have our new program, Mastery Level in Growth Day. You can go to yearofmastery.com and it will direct you to our best program in Growth Day. This is for those who really want the advanced level, who really want a breakthrough, who are tired of, hey, listen, podcasts are great, but training is another level. Go to yearofmastery.com. You deserve to join the world's number one membership for advanced personal growth and success right now. This is a membership of the real people doing the real work who have a positive mindset, a growth mindset, a willingness to be a role model, to be a leader, to serve, who desperately and deeply and joyfully love personal development, to challenge themselves, to push themselves, to achieve great things in life. Go to yearofmastery.com. Let's go. Yearofmastery.com. I have to force myself to be fulfilled. I have to literally at the end of every day, I'm like, okay, what can I be happy about today? Okay, I didn't get as long as I, as far as I want. I still have a huge to-do list for tomorrow and the next five years. What did I do today? What one little step I can just have a little bit of celebration, a little fulfillment from, at least you tried, at least you moved the thing forward. Give yourself a little credit today, Brennan. 
feel a little fulfilled even though you're behind. I literally say those words to myself. So I'm not preaching to you. That's the practice. Your self-talk about meaning and fulfillment is an advanced practice. At the end of the day, are you noting mentally and verbally in your mind what you saw that you're fulfilled by and you feel good about? Even if you're still behind, even if it didn't go right, I'll honor myself. You were in motion, Brendan. You tried. You know what? You had those 40 items. You did two of them. Those two, they're really going to matter towards the next couple of years. Okay. You, you move that ball forward. Okay. Not as far as you Because see, your discontent with how far you've come is stealing your sense of meaning and fulfillment. You don't think you've progressed far enough. So you dislike yourself. You question your skills or you hate yourself. That's mental illness. When we feel that we're never enough, does that sound like wellness? When we feel like we never give ourselves credit, nothing's ever good enough, does that feel good? It feels terrible. A lot of people are literally emotionally and mentally unwell because they just don't stop at the end of the day and go, what did I do? Where am I headed? What can I be fulfilled about? What meaningful thing happened today? Even if you know what happened today, you're fulfilled by, you made the kids a good lunch. You know what you're fulfilled by? You know, you're making your house a little more like you like it. You know what you're fulfilled by? Oh, you were kind to that person or you took that call, you answered that text. Oh, you know what you're fulfilled by? You finished the presentation, you got the video up, you did the launch. Like, if you don't feel fulfilled on a consistent basis, don't blame what you're doing. Let me say it again. If you don't feel fulfilled on a consistent basis, don't blame what you're doing. Don't blame the job. Don't blame the purpose. You, like it's that old thing in Taoism and Buddhism. Carry the pail, man. You got to be able to carry the pail, wash the dishes, live a normal life, and feel fulfilled by it. Fulfillment doesn't come with the private jet. I know a lot of people with them. They're unhappy. Fulfillment comes with our self-talk and the acknowledgement of what we are doing and where we are heading. It's a recognition and an appreciation of what our life is about and who we are becoming. Not just, am I doing the perfect thing? And so what's your fulfillment practice? How do you make yourself satisfied and fulfilled with life? Have you ever given yourself that gift? Have you ever given yourself that gift on a daily basis? Or does it come every 10 years when you achieve something? Hopefully. I know a lot of people, they live a long time still chasing fulfillment as if it will happen to them versus a decision one day to speak to themselves differently. You want more fulfillment at work? Speak to yourself differently about the actions going on at work. Give yourself credit. Recognize the momentum. Honor your efforts. Honor the efforts of other people. Recognize the ripple effect of what's going to happen. Like The ripple effect of my career, I have no idea. But every day, every day, I feel fulfilled by it. I did one more thing today. I'm gonna to feel fulfilled at the end of this day, even though I've already thought of 40 things that I haven't said to you yet that I think I should say to you. I'm just gonna be fulfilled with the session today. Put the stone in the water, the ripple effect will happen. Didn't get the stone exactly where I wanted it, stone got in the water. You don't have to make a masterpiece every day, you gotta get some oil on the canvas. Just get going, just start and recognize yourself for those times. Recognizing and celebrating what you are doing, even if you don't think it's as big as it needs to be, that's mental health. I'll share something else that really helps me with this. And this is so key. Meaningful days and pursuits. For me, I know this is going to bore you all to death, but for me, these meaningful days and pursuits come from having a schedule and a plan. I know no one loves this one, Brendan. I knew you were going to turn it to productivity. Dang it, Brendan. I have to. I have to because when we feel like we have momentum behind us, we do feel better. My wellness comes from a sense of progress, fulfillment in my life. But those things don't come from just showing up and self-talk. They also come from knocking stuff off the list, man, and blocking time. When I have a series of weeks or months of empty time on my calendar, I know I'm not fulfilling 
God's potential he put in my soul. I believe that if you are meandering your whole life, it's hard to feel fulfilled. And often people, even if they're doing good work, they don't feel they're optimizing their potential. And the truth is, sometimes that's true. Sometimes you look at their calendar, they're not doing anything. They're not scheduling. And I know that sounds so simplistic, but it's like, oh, I can, I know a lot about your life based on your schedule. I know a lot about your life based on your calendar. I don't know everything. I don't know your internal world, but sometimes I do. Because your calendar is saying, what are you focusing on? What are you moving towards? And the meaningful days stack up when you feel like at least you move towards that thing, even if, again, you didn't get it perfect or progress perfectly towards it. And so I have just got so many activities that are on the schedule. That's what I'm going to do it. I'm going to move it forward. I might not get it done. I might not get it right. But I tried in that slot of time and it builds self-respect. I showed up. I did what I said I was going to do. I put the effort forth. Self-respect leads to that self-efficacy, that self-esteem, those things that give us confidence. And guess what? Wellness. When you have greater self-worth and self-respect from progressing towards things that matter to you, you are more well. I know you know that. Energy. Mental and physical and spiritual strength or vibrancy. I just call it energy in high-performance training. What is my energy? Do I have the energy to serve? Do I have the energy to focus? Do I have the energy to go to the gym? Do I have the energy to be nice to my spouse and my partners and my friends? Do I have the energy to do the work today? Like for me, when my energy is low or it is dipping, I always, always go, what is causing that? It's almost always two things. It's almost like if my energy dips low in the day, I always know there's two culprits. One, something happened that bothered my brain. I got annoyed, frustrated, or hurt by something. I got annoyed, frustrated, or hurt by something. And it happened recently. It happened in the last day or two. And it's affecting my energy right now. Your energetic state right now is a hangover. Your mood right now is a hangover effect. Not always negative, it can be positive. But it's, it's an effect of something, right? Input, output, cause, effect. That's real. So I'm like, okay, well, what, what has hooked me? What has angered me? What has frustrated me? And then I'll do something like Byron Katie's um, teaching on the work. And I'll just flip the question or I'll flip the feeling. I'll say, okay, what would my life be like without that thought? Is that thought true? What's the opposite of that thought? And I'll just question those things that annoy me, frustrated, or hurt me. And then I'll do the physical work again of releasing those things. And if I need help with releasing those, many of you guys know I love and invest in the tapping solution. So I'll just tap. I'll just go into my mind, for those who know tapping, and I'll just do a tapping routine. For those who want to learn tapping, you can learn it in the Growth Day app. There's a course in there on it already. And so I'll just do something physical to release that tension. But again, I said there's two reasons probably for my low energy. Is one, something mentally or emotionally you know, it hooked my brain and it's lowering the quality of energy I feel in life. The second one for me, which is big, is the last 72 hours of physical exercise and nutrition. It's like you feel right now what you consumed and how you moved in the last 72 hours. Most people think it's only during the day. Now, the, the food you ate three days ago, that's still in your body. The supplement, the nutrition from that, uh, the macros from that, whether you burned it off or not, the energy, the energetic effect culminates one day, two days, three day. And that's why sometimes people, if you've ever done a, a cleanse or something, you don't feel that much different in the first day or two, but by day three or four, you start like getting like this amazing clarity. Why? that 72-hour cycle of biology that we humans have. It's why when I know I'm going to teach a seminar to y'all, like I'm going to go, you know, like I, I've been blessed to, uh, a lot of the industry knows, we teach the 
single two hardest events in the world. When it was High Performance Academy and then Certified High Performance Coaching, these are literally nine hours a day on stage, often by myself uh, and used to be, now I've got a little smarter about it, but it was intensely difficult. And if you see me on stage, I'm not sitting like I am now in this little room in quarantine. I'm like bouncing the whole time. We're dancing the whole time. I'm running back and forth, the flip chart down in the audience, walking around. I do a marathon a day in steps, jumps, and movement, right? It's unbelievable. I got to eat three times the calories to pull off each of those days. And I can tell you when I'm on stage and I'm not feeling it, I don't go, wow, what just happened last hour? I'm like, okay, what was the last three days here? When was I moving? How was I recovering? What was I eating? When was I moving? How was I recovering? What was I eating? And I'll run that through over and over and I'll identify. I'm like, oh, you know what? There was that one hour after that stage, I was all hyped. I didn't eat. Or, oh, you know what? There was that time. You know what? I, I should have I should have spent another 20 minutes uh, meditating or sleeping. Or I just run back. So I want you to do that. Anytime you don't feel well, I really want to cue you to develop the habit. This is like my advanced habit. If I don't feel well, I'm like, okay, 72 hours. What hooked my brain or my ego, maybe frustrated, angry, upset? Let me release that right now. That's the first thing, a release technique again. Second thing is, okay, have I moved and what did I eat? So it's like, oh, on Friday, I had those three glasses of wine versus that one. Got it. That's a lingering effect. Uh, okay, that's good. That's good to know. Or, oh, you know what? I really just wanted to cheat and I did, but now I'm really, I'm paying for it. And listen, I'm not here to judge anybody. Whatever you want to eat, consume, the stuff that you do, not my business. My business is reminding you of wellness is experience of life and you have either defined what wellness looks like and feels like to you or you have not. And because I have, this is so important to me. I hate when I don't have this. Lacking energy to me is so painful that I structure my life to ensure I have it. I, I don't know about you, but I've laid in hospital beds for days. I don't know about you, but I've served in hospice and saw people who couldn't get out of bed and had their last breaths. I don't know about you, but I've had those times on stage or service or moments with family or friends when I didn't feel energy. And because I didn't feel energy, I didn't do a good job for them. And I hated those moments. I want to do a good job for people. And I think to do a good job for people, I got to care for my energy. And so I always tell people, if you haven't gotten healthy for yourself yet, do it for the people around you who are getting the shrapnel of your bad energy, bad energy, negative energy. There's shrapnel from that. There's emotional trauma from that. There's stuff from that, that we got to make sure we release and not hold on to. And I know you guys know all this, but I hope it helps you. The practice I have is a 72 hour assessment of my energy. Whenever I dip, I'm like, let me do my little 72 hours. Where was my ego hooked, annoyed, or hurt? Let me let that go. What was my fueling routine, my movement routine? Oh, no wonder I feel like crap. I've been sitting for three days. Oh, my back is mad. I forgot to stretch. I didn't open up my body and my breath with a workout, a walk, a bike, a run, a hike. I didn't move. No wonder. Oh, gosh, let me go. Come on, honey, let's go for a walk. And just get, get that movement back in. Get that movement back in. For those who've studied me with high performance work before, I recommend like a two by two or a three by three. Uh, all that means is like once a week, you do uh, a, a HIIT training. And once a week, you do a 60 minute cardio training. That's a two by two. Um, a three by three is you're just adding more to that. So you're doing a uh, like a one, uh, uh, one session HIIT, one session long cardio, one session, some other type of movement that you love to do that just opens up your body and gives you flexibility, maybe like a yoga or something. But whatever your routine is, did you move? Everyone knows the number one challenge to long-term health is nutrition and movement. Number one and number two. And people always say, no, 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 it must be sleep. I'm like, number one and number two are the greatest weapons you have for greater sleep. It is your nutrition and it is your physical movement 
that gives you the ability to sleep well. Now, guess what? When you have reverence for life and you're releasing that tension throughout the day, emotionally, letting go of that ego or that hurt, now you sleep like a baby. Like I've been blessed with sleep for a long time, not because it came natural, because I sucked at it. And I said, I gotta get better at this. So I changed my nutrition. I moved more. I did more emotional releasing of tension. And those were part of my days. Remember, wellness is not something you do once in a while. It is the experience of life. You, you have to do these many times a day. Also, for those who've studied for a long time, with energy, every 45 minutes, I'm up, I'm bouncing, I'm moving, I'm opening up all the meridians on my body. I'm taking 10 deep breaths and bouncing in place and closing my eyes to rest. That energetic movement every hour, that breath work every hour, that opening meridians every hour, it's how I'm annoying all the time. It's like, you're like, you just hang out with me like, wow, that guy goes all day. And he's just, he's in it all day. I had to train that. You're training your focus right now. You're training your energy. You're training your ability to serve. It's happening right now. And it happened last 72 hours too. Hey everybody, it's Brendan Burchard. Welcome to a special edition of Growth Day. I'm really excited to talk about this month's topic, which is how do you create remarkable and long-lasting friendships? And I'm talking about the kind of friendships that you love, the friendships that bring you alive, that bring you that connection, that help life feel more even meaningful, that help you progress and feel supported, help you be seen, help you feel a, a true connection with, with not just others, but with humanity, because the people around you are awesome. And when the people around you are awesome, you know you feel better about life. But we also went through this crazy last 18 months where so many people were isolated, where we had so much turmoil, so much conflict, so much in just uncertainty and fear in the world, where I really believe friendships really elevated and you could see whether or not you had great friends throughout this pandemic or you didn't. You were able to see whether or not you got the support that you needed whether or not you were able to maintain your, your sense of vibrancy in some of those times of aloneness, whether or not you had people who cheered you on when you decided to make a transition, start something new, or the kids left the house, or you got sick, or something was going on that was difficult in your life. We look to our friends, and I think that this is a very undervalued conversation in mental health. So much about the mental health conversation is appropriately about self-awareness, is it's about um, you know, uh, mindfulness, it's about taking care of our stressors, and a lot of it is that solo work that we all have to do for self-mastery. But I can tell you that you know, the great universities of the world, the psychology department is right near the sociology department, because they go together. Like we are social beings. And when you lose that social connection with the world, which usually starts through lack of disciplined habits with your friends, then suddenly life loses its color. And I think this is so important. You're gonna hear me talk about friendship today in a way you probably haven't heard before, very much from what we would call a high-performance psychology perspective. And I think you're gonna love this. So if you've been struggling with friendships in your lifetime, not either having enough friends or not having the quality of friends that you've always wanted, this is a serious conversation today. I, I, don't, I can't imagine a time, at least in my life so far, where friendships were so incredibly important. I get to share some of the things that really have worked, not just in my life and my friendships, but in studying this work deeply over the years, in recognizing how many people are entrepreneurs, high achievers, people who are trying to make great impact in the world. You're here today, and sometimes that journey can feel very lonely, or when you get to the top, it can feel lonely, they say, and I'm like, I kind of believe what my friend Brian Tracy and mentor said to me one time. He said, if it's lonely at the top, you did it wrong. And I thought, woo, that's good. That's good because maybe sometimes we value today progress. We value today getting things done. We value that top mountain of achievement. And then we look around and go, oh, 
Nobody really knows me. I don't feel a connection to others. Yeah, I got the thing, the house, the car, the bank account, the accolades, the Instagram page, and all of a sudden though, you, you, something's missing. And friendship is one of the greatest vehicles to the real psychology of well-being that we talk about here at Growth Day. And I'm gonna share with you a secret today, just a simple phrase, you're gonna go, oh my gosh, that's why my friendships aren't going right. So you're gonna love this session. I say that triangle, right, of well-being that we talk about growth day. Aliveness is one of the things we all want after we had everything else, right? Another thing we want is connection. We're not after casual friendships here today. We're, we're, at, we're at like, how do I create authentic, deep, trusting, vulnerable, fun, real relationships? Because how many of you have ever had friendships that turned out to be fake? You thought you had a good friendship and that thing turned out to be not so good or poisonous or, you know, somebody like weren't, they weren't loyal to you as a friend or they lied to you or, you know, something went wrong. You thought, what, what, how could that happen in that relationship? And I always tell like friendships are a science of relationship. Right? It's about how you create relationships with others. And I'm gonna give you, again, a phrase that will really help you with this today. And then if it's true that we want aliveness and connection, this triangle, another thing that we want is meaning. Well, meaning isn't achieved just by living your purpose each day in your own head. Meaning is achieved through a social relationship network. My sense of meaning is, do I feel connected to the world and it, the world isn't an abstract thing. It's not like I feel connected to the oak tree. It's like, no, I mean, did I feel, did you make your difference in the world? That's going to be served and answered through your social impact, your relationships with others. And I have to tell you, after, I've been coaching people for 20 years of my life now, and a lot of people have one friend. You know, in the United States, unfortunately, the number of people with three good friends has declined over the decades. You're like, three good friends? Oh, we gotta talk about that. Because some people stumble into friendships or hope for friendships. Just like some people hope to have a loving relationship. Just like some people hope to have a good job. Just like some people hope that you know um, they get healthier. And then there's strivers who take life a little bit by the reins and say, no, 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 let me architect that, let me build that. And I'll give you my own examples today of where I sucked at friendships. And I had to learn how do you do them and how do you create them? And once you know how to create and craft them, life really opens up for you. And it becomes not just more alive and connected, but more meaningful, like a sense of, Meaning happens when we have a, a tapestry of social relationships that are real and impactful. And then of course, in the middle of that triangle, you always see me draw out growth. That is, your friend should be lifting you up, not pushing you down. Your friend should be inspiring you to get better. Your friends should have your back, but also be willing to challenge your face. You know what I'm saying? Like you, your friends are and should be one of your primary growth drivers in life. Most people choose ambitious goals to be their growth driver. Oh, I'm gonna do something that's hard, or I'm gonna to try to achieve this amazing thing, I'm gonna to try to become a millionaire, or make this difference, or build this company, or you know, have this type of family, and it's this external climb, this thing they're trying to achieve, and too many people forget, it's like, Actually, one of the best drivers of growth isn't your job, isn't your goals, it's your friendship circle. And when your friendship circles make you a more alive, deeper, caring, thoughtful, authentic person in the world, I'm telling you what, guess what? At work, you're better. At home, you're better. Your art, gets better. Your sense of life lifts. Let me share with you what I really believe to be the two central problems of friendship.
okay? The two central problems of friendship. The first one is a failure of uh, each of our own. Like, I'm just taking this on myself as well. It's like we fail in life to realize most of our friendships were assigned, not aligned. Most of our friendships were assigned, not aligned. What I mean by that is many of our friendships happen because group assignment, right? Think about it. Some, some of your best friends, where'd you meet them? School? Your neighborhood? Some other affiliation? Maybe at work? Maybe in a group that you joined? So it was like, oh, we, we showed up somewhere or we were assigned somewhere and there was that, that girl who sat next to me in class. We became friends. Or, oh, I, I worked with this person at work. And we, became, we, we were coworkers. We, we became friends. And these are kind of like assigned friends. And I know that sounds really weird to say, so bear with me a little bit. I don't mean that the manager was like, you're going to be friends here. What I mean is because of your group, your affiliation, or where you were, you kind of met people there. And by default, by you being a good person or communicating or doing stuff with them, you kind of became friends versus that's like an assigned friend. It's like, oh, because we were here, we became friends versus an aligned friend, which is, oh, I'm an adult now. What are the types of friends that I want to create that align with my passion, my dreams, my lifestyle, my values, my beliefs, the things that I want of life, and let me go get them not let them fall into my lap. Which brings up the second designation. And this is hard to say to people, and if you're in a place where you feel lonely in your life, or you feel like you don't have great friendships, I promise this will be so helpful for you today to even know how your own brain thinks. And many of us, and I was this way probably all the way throughout high school even, I never, and this is the second problem of friendships, I never made the deliberate choice to have remarkable friendships. I kind of ended up with friends. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Who's, who's like ended up with friends? Well, if you kind of just like ended up with like this person, it was kind of, um, my friend, one of my buddies goes, he goes, I don't want no rando friends. And it was like random. Now I love random. I love the universe. I love God. I love coincidence. Listen, I read the Celestine prophecy. People are glowing out there for me. I, I believe in that coincidence stuff. But I can also share with you like, if you just allow randomness in your life all the time, you'll always feel a sense of mediocrity, too. We have to stretch. We have to choose our life. And to choose our life, we have to be deliberate and go, what kind of life do I want? I would like you to learn to architect your ideal friendships. And... Can you get all of them and will all your friendships be perfect? I'm not that guy. I'm not here to promise everything's going to be sweet and perfect and peaches in life. I am here to suggest, though, that if you haven't deliberately chosen the types of friendships that you want, that's a problem, especially if you're an adult, right? And that's the thing is we're just we're not encouraged to do that. We're think about how much time. People were feeding your ears with the idea you had to be really thoughtful about the career you choose. How many of you ever had more people tell you more times about be so thoughtful about the school you choose, the career you choose, but no one ever said as much, be very thoughtful about the friends and the friendships that you build. And that's why we have a lot of high achieving people who are lonely their whole life. Well, think about your career. What are you going to be one day? Very rarely. What's the type of social network you're going to build around you? What's the type of friendships you're going to architect? What are you going to be proud of in terms of your friends in the future? What do you want your friends to achieve? What do you want your friends to experience in life? Not just what they give you, but what are you going to give out too? What kind of friendship do you want to create and experience? How do you want your friends to actually interact with one another? Have you ever thought about that? 
We spend so much time, if you're a parent and you have two kids, you're so worried about how they interact, right? I know people who've never even thought, how do I want my friends to interact? I mean, they might think, you know what? We shouldn't put them in a room at a party because they have this history, that background, but very few people are like, I'm gonna actually teach my friends how to be friends with one another. Now, I know some of you might be like, this guy sounds like a control freak. I'm like, I am, but I'm a happy one. You know what I'm saying? I think this is such an important area to architect. Most friends have never talked about how to be friends. They just go, you wanna go to lunch? They go to lunch, they talk about the weather, the waiter, the food, what's going on, they leave. And there's no architecting, there's no, I, I think of like social systems are things that can be shaped. You all think like at work, right? How much we talk about at work, building a culture. More books and more people have spent time on this conversation of building culture at work and never the culture of a friendship. Isn't that weird? I don't know where along the line we lost the conversation and the desire to choose to build awesome friendships and a culture of friendship. Meaning not just friends, most people think of I want a friend, right? When you're in high school, you just want a friend, right? You're just like, at least I was like, okay, can I get one? You know, it's like you, you worry about having friendships when you grow up. And usually that means you think, and we're all trained this way, especially in Western cultures. We're taught to have a friend, and we think in a very individualistic mode. I and this person are in relationship, and then you have another friend. I and this person are in relationship. And maybe you go out and you try to get them together, and we have a party. But even at the party, it's individual nodes, me, that friend, and this friend. And I don't get trained as I'm getting older to think as a systems social architect. Oh. Wow, look at all these nodes, if you will, these friends. If I like each of these people and I have a relationship with each of these people, why don't, in some way, I weave them together and create a tapestry of friendship where I'm actually connecting the dots and creating a culture of friendship? See, we don't think like that, do we? I was a very uh, kind of solitary child. I was kind of in my own little world. I don't know about y'all, but I was definitely, uh, you know, much, I would be like an introverted kind of child. I, I kind of kept to myself. I liked to play with my toys kind of by myself. Uh, in, in, in elementary school, from what I can remember, I was kind of solo, Brendan. I didn't see social systems, right? I was in a class with kids and a teacher, and I had a relationship with the teacher, and I had a relationship with this person or that person or not, but I couldn't see the class. I couldn't say, oh, you know, like, this group is kind of like this. Instead, it was just like, she likes me or she doesn't. Teacher's like that. I didn't see the system. Today, I'd like you to try to see the system a little bit. See the system of the friendships you've built in your life. See the system at play at work. See the system of your culture or your nonprofit or your company, when you can start seeing a bigger picture and get out of your head a little bit, now something happens. There's connection, there's community. See, everyone says, I want community. I'm like, well, you can't be an individualistic person in the community forever. You have to elevate to seeing the system. If you never be a community member or an effective one or a helpful one, if you can't get out of your head. Well, I'm saying that not as judgment to you, that was me. So there's, there's no judgment here. If you don't have friends, I'm like, I'm gonna tell you that my story too. I, I, I was a solo person. I was in my own head. I couldn't see the class. I couldn't see the system. And so I felt apart. And because I felt apart and I couldn't see what was happening and I didn't know how to engage, I was lonely. And then when I finally made a connection with a friend, that friend became my life. Later on, that perpetuated into, you know, some of you guys know my story of my first breakup with the, my, my high school sweetheart. I was destroyed because that was my one person, right? That was my one node in the world. And then when that relationship fell apart, I fell apart and became depressed and suicidal. 
And so how we relate with one or multiple people can completely shape our mental health. I know you already know that. And so I had to learn like, wow, one, I don't wanna ever be dependent on one friend. I, I wanna I want, I want build a support system. You ever heard that language before? No one says, go build a supporter. I want you to listen to the language of successful people. When successful people are speaking, they never tell you, go build a supporter. They say, go build what? A support system, a support network. Oh, I gotta get out of single node thinking. A node is a one individual unit, and I gotta get into the system. I gotta stop thinking, does Sally at the class next, does she like me? And if she likes me, my whole life is good or bad or ruined. And I gotta go, hmm, there's a class here. There's an energy, a vibe, a spirit. There's rules and norms. There's a culture here that is happening. How do I want to participate in this? And how do I want this culture to happen too in ways that I can affect? What do they want? And we all have to start thinking about that more in a society in which we're supposedly connected, but we've actually become individual nodes in the network. Hey, it's Brendan. You know one question I never anticipated getting as the world's leading high-performance coach? It's, Brendan, what kind of car do you drive? I never anticipated getting that, but I drive a Range Rover Sport. I love this thing. You know, when you look at the Range Rover Sport, it, you just know it's, it's powerful, it's all-terrain, it's the thing in sporting luxury, but what a lot of people don't know is when you get in this thing, it's got this uh, like cockpit-like experience inside. It feels amazing to drive it. Inside, there's noise cancellation. There's cabin air purification. They have massage seats, literally. I mean, this thing is awesome. It's my favorite drive. It's got the power, the performance, the agility that someone like me who's really into high performance cares about. You can go build your own Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. This has been so powerful when you've shared this on our morning show, and I just want to share it with everyone here. Um, a lot of people are showing up here going, okay, like it's been a hard 14 months and um, you know, struggling with self-doubt, struggling, all the things. And some people have goals that they're trying to figure out with their career and all the other stuff. But then there's also a thing called feelings goals, yes. feelings goals, right? So many of you guys, this is going to be new for a lot of people. This is newer for me in my own life, frankly, right? Because, you know, all my years of working as a Denny's waitress, trying to all the jobs and then all the years of rejection with my business, when I finally got, you know, when we were finally getting momentum, I didn't feel the day. I just drove as hard as I could. And, and one of the things Brendan has shared so much about, and I would love for you to share with everyone live right now, is yeah, you can have goals in your fitness journey and in your career and all these things, but what about goals for your feelings, for how you feel and how you feel the day? Can you share? Yes. This is so powerful. I remember the first time I said this to her, feel the day, and she's like, oh, right, and we just, we had this huge, great talk about it because what happens is sometimes you're taking care of the kids, you're going through your life, you're doing the projects, you have the to-do lists, and you're just going, 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 and you finished the day, you didn't even feel the day. There's no reverence for life. There's no love. There's no heart. There's no spirit, no flow, no connection, no creative pop. And it's not because it wasn't there. It was just, you just, you just like blew through the day. You bullied the hours, I call it. And there was no moment of a pit stop to give prayer or meditation or gratitude or a second to go like, how am I feeling? Mm. Am I experiencing the the energy that I want to experience in life. And that's, again, we generate that. But feeling the day. I found the most successful people in the world. I remember we drew this out. I went to Jamie's house uh, almost two years ago, I think now. Yeah. And I, we were talking about successful people and they're drawing this little triangle. And what everybody wants after they've gotten everything, after you hit your goals, you made the money you feel like your family needs, what you want is you want to feel the day more. You want greater depth in your relationships, like deeper relationships, deeper commitment, deeper meaning, right? We all want those things. And then we also wanna know that 
we're leaving some kind of legacy or contribution, what I call meaningful pursuits. And I think feeling the day should be in your top one or two priorities every day. The whole mindfulness movement is really architected to, I want to feel the day. I want to feel presence, right? I want to feel the energy. I want to feel the spirit. I want a self-awareness or consciousness. It's a different feeling of the day versus just like powering through or caffeinating through it all and just blunting it out. We want you to have those sensations of beauty and honor and respect and, and depth every day. We want you to feel joy and reverence every day. She knows I, I probably say reverence every morning show because <laughs> I'm so happy. Who feels so happy to be alive? Mm -hmm. I'm so happy to be alive. I'm so happy to be with this woman. I'm so happy with this team and you all guys. It's amazing. It's a gift. Yeah, you know, um, I love that so much. And, I, and even Ed Milet was sharing a little bit about that idea of, you know, setting goals also for feeling the day. And then also like, how do, how, what are feelings we want in our life? And yes. I think you just named a big one too, which is presence. I think that it's been so easy, especially the last 14 months to like, disconnect and just try to numb out and try to surf Instagram or watch the news or all the things, right? And so many people are saying that's really taken a toll on them, that they feel their own light dimming yeah. when they do that. And, you know, I started the morning off by talking about how that light is still inside of you, <laughs> that light in every single one of us, right? A lot of people nodding. It's still inside of you right now. And I think part of igniting it um, is learning to feel the day, right? So what are, what are just a few just simple tips people can do who are like, Brendan, how do I feel the day? <laughs> I feel nothing. <laughs> um, part of it, recognize your, your overall emotional feeling every day is usually a 72-hour after effect of how you moved, breathed, slept, and ate in the last 72 hours. It really is like, it's a cumulative effect, especially of the last, last 72 hours have a lot to do with your emotional world. So that's why having good habits on a consistent basis like you might, you might, listen, if you want to have a cheat day, that's okay. But that's why they call it a cheat day. You eat bad for one day, but then <laughs> like number two and number three, if you get back on the train, you start feeling good again, right? So it's okay to have one day off. But I think the most important thing for feeling the day is you need to have pit stops throughout the day. Mm. You need to have moments that you purposely take every day throughout the day to reconnect with spirit, soul, energy, or even just to breathe, mom, like just to take a beat, close your eyes. Like I do that. I'll stand. Like every, I do this every hour. Okay. I'll stand up. Sorry for the camera. guys. I'll stand every hour. I stand up. You have, you've been asking me to demonstrate. Yes. Demonstrate. I will stand up. I will close my eyes because a lot of your fatigue is visual fatigue. And that visual fatigue is causing a lot of neurological fatigue. So closing your eyes, especially because we're all these devices, close your eyes. I stand, I bounce in place. I swing my arms. I take 10 deep breaths like this. <sighs> 10 deep breaths like that every hour. And it re-energizes my body and my brain. And it's a little pit stop. And now my mental focus is back. When I open my eyes, I go, what's my intention for this next hour? Mm. And that little pit stop makes me go longer, just like a race car. It can go around the whole race, but it doesn't. It takes the pit stops to tune it up so it can go longer and faster and win the race. You need a little more pit stops to tune your mind up, amp up your emotions, reconnect with the heart or the spirit or the soul. And if you are just grinding all day, that is not, there's no pit stops. That's the equation for burnout. Yeah, well, so many people feeling burnt out, right? People that aren't leaving their home but because of the pandemic, but just so burnt out and so overwhelmed. And one thing you shared that I wanna make sure um, everyone caught is the idea of visual fatigue, because that was a huge aha moment that I had with you on the morning show just in the past few weeks. I thought, you guys, we implemented this at It Cosmetics. We grew to over a thousand employees and we would start ending meetings like five minutes before the hour instead of just back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back meetings, right? Because the idea that you can get up and just walk around and move your body. But one of the things you brought up is I learned I was doing them wrong because I was like walking and moving, but still engaged. I would take meetings in the hallway walking or I would check my email on that five-minute break, yes. right? And can you just quickly share the idea that when you do take a pit stop, when you do take that five minutes, right? And this is hard for a lot of people, but... The idea is when you take that five minutes, the other 55, right? Or you take the 10 minutes, the other 50 
are so much more alive. Yes. They're so much more alive. So people that say, oh, I can't afford to do that. No, no, no. It, you're so much more alive than those other 50. Um, but I was doing it wrong because I wasn't actually resting my mind. And you talk about the power of like visual fatigue. If you take a break and you're scrolling Instagram or emails, that's not a break. That's exhaustion, mm-hmm. right? Scrolling is just exhausting your brain even more and more and more and more. It's engaging it, but it's exhausting it more and more and more. And so it's, it's like this. You cannot possibly hope that burnout will end if you don't more consistently recharge. Mm-hmm. But we grew up on a century-old model that, oh, we'll get to recharge when we retire. Mm-hmm. We'll get to recharge, you know, two mm-hmm. weeks out of the year when we have vacation. It's why people are miserable because they're, the burnout is real because they don't recharge. They, they, one day I'll recharge the spa day or, you know, a year from, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. You, the, the world's largest study of productivity that's ever been done found out the most productive people in the world who also reported high levels of happiness, they took a break on average every 52 minutes. Largest study ever done. Every 52 minutes, they took a break. Did they need the break? No, they're recharging. If you're crashing at two and three o'clock in the afternoon every day, it's time to take a hint. You need to recharge at like 10.30, 11.30, or 1.30 to prevent the crash that happens two or three. The crashes happen because the recharges are not happening. Mm. And so the burnout will always be there. And I always say, make sure you don't blame the burnout on anybody. Please don't blame your burnout on your kids. That's not fair to them. Don't blame your burnout on the team. Mm. Blame the burnout on either ambition that is unmet with planning or just not taking care of and prioritizing your self-care or your well-being. You know, take care of you so you have the energy to serve at your highest levels. I think that is something we can all align with. This is going to be a conversation about overall life happiness. Not just like in the moment, you know, happiness. Because in the moment of happiness, I mean, we can all kind of get that. A bottle of wine, bag of chips. I, I, maybe it's just me. But I think, we, you know, finding pleasure or joy or in the moment happiness We can get there, we'll talk about that a little bit, but I wanna talk about the big picture. How do we know what will give you enduring happiness? Happiness that you'll self-report throughout your lifespan that yeah, I have a happy life. It's different than sometimes just in the moment happiness. It has to last longer. And so what psychologists have done is basically broken it up and said, you know, people who are happy over the long term, they tend to look at their lives in very specific ways And here's how they tend to do it. They tend to break up their life. They look at their past. They're happy with their past. They're happy with their present. And they're happy with where they're going. So they kind of break it up into time zones, right? Past, present, and future. And here's what we found in each of those areas. If you look at your past in this specific way, you'll be more happy. If you look at your present in this specific way, you'll be happier. And if you look at your future in this specific way, you'll be happier over the long term. So let's start with your past, okay? Most people who are unhappy over the quality of their life over the long term, it's because something in the past, they're really hung up on it. They consistently battle it, blame it, are angry about it, are bitter against it. And those who are happy, they don't have that negative emotional range about their entire past. It's not to say that there might not be some things in the past that you can't be unhappy about or some things that happened that you were upset about, because you know what happened to all of us. But those who make it out and have a a joyful life, here's what they tend to do. When they look to the past, the first thing they tend to do is accept it. They're like, the past is the past. It did pass, and here we are today. They don't make everything okay. They don't try to validate it. They don't try to say, well, that was supposed to happen. They just go, I got it, the past happened. I have to accept what happened because I can't change it now. I can change how I perceive it, but things happened. I'm going to accept that the past happened for some type of reason, or if anything, maybe I don't ascribe a higher reason to it, but I'm gonna say, in general, I'm good with the past. It, It happened. Today's a new day. And they accept the reality that that time period, that situation, that person, that thing that they didn't like, it's not here anymore. So they can't keep living there. They have to accept that today is today. All of that 
is gone. Today, they can choose a different life, as we'll talk about. So they accept the past. But here's the thing, they go beyond just acceptance. And this is really important, because I think people forget this all the time. It's not just about like accepting the past, okay, that's fine. No, happy people, they generate memories of fondness on a continual basis. They, they relive the past, not the negative things, but the positive memories. They think about it. Honey, you remember that one vacation we took? And they talk about it today. They, hey, do you remember when you were a kid and that funny thing happened and they relive the positive? They have, happy people, have a sense of nostalgia about the positive things of the past. And they remember that and their com connection to that is more than towards the negative things. And so here's a question to see if you're happy with your family, with your friends, those around you. Are you often reliving positive memories? They tell positive, nostalgic stories about the past without apology. They're not living there. They're not trying to go back and relive the glory days. They're just honoring and appreciating that those days even happened for them. They have a deep sense of fondness and, yes, gratitude to the beautiful moments and memories and people and experiences they got to have. And so I know that might sound almost too easy to say because, you know, maybe in the past you went through some traumatic stuff, some very difficult moments happened. But by and large, if you can finally get to a point where today you go, okay, I don't have to be cool with everything that happened, but I accept the past. I'm cool. It's over. I am cool today, and I like these little moments, and I'm gonna to choose to focus and remember those and bring them up to people. Talk about those things, then I'll feel better about the past, and if you feel better about the past, you have a more solid foundation and a much easier time finding happiness today. Today, if you wanna feel happy today, there's two things we know without question will get you to higher levels of happiness. Number one, connection, connection. That is you deciding to connect to the moment, that means being present, and connecting to other people. You know, they've done a lot of those end of life studies to see what makes people happy. And you see over and over and over again, it's the quality of their relationships. And so if you wanna be happy today, put more emotional connection into your relationships. And I say that not philosophically, I mean like have that intention. Like I'm gonna put good energy into this relationship today. I'm gonna put good energy into my kid today. Even if they were a jerk yesterday, I accept it, kinda cute. Today, I'm gonna just put good energy, good vibes into this relationship today because if I do that, I'll feel better. If you're doing work and you don't even like the work, but at least you'll engage with it, you'll connect to the work, like you'll force yourself to be there, be present, be in it, you'll feel happier. The second thing today that you can do is so easy is increase your appreciation. Almost in every psychological study ever done, those who had more gratitude reported greater happiness. The way that you get gratitude is you appreciate things. So let's just jump right to that. Start appreciating things better. Uh, appreciate your house today. You know, appreciate that maybe you got a car uh, appreciate that yeah, you had somebody in the house with you today who loved you, or appreciate the fact that you have opportunities that all around the world people would just beg for, that billions of people don't have the opportunities that you do. I know we're all in a big rush. I'm guilty sometimes too of, of going through things as fast as I can because I got one thing, I gotta go on another thing, another thing. But you know what? I found I'm most unhappy in life when that's what I'm doing. I'm just going on one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing and not feeling what I'm doing. Not really connecting it and not appreciating it. Like I'm right now, I shared with you earlier as I'm filming this course, I'm writing a book. And there's days when I'm miserable about the book. And those days I'm miserable about the book are those days that I forget to connect with the material and worse, I forget to appreciate the fact that I have the blessing to get to work on a book. I forget to appreciate how far I've come as a writer. I forget to appreciate the time that my team has set up to protect my ability to write. I forget to appreciate that God has given me a voice and I get to share that. And so I share with you 
that the most important thing you can do today, like stop thinking that stuff will give you happiness. Stop thinking that you'll achieve something today that will give you happiness. The only thing that's gonna give you happiness today, connection and appreciation. So connect to the moment, connect to other people by putting positive energy. Remember, bring the joy and then appreciate the little things, all the little goofy things throughout the day. Appreciate the opportunities that you have. You'll start to feel much happier, I promise you. Those are easy, quick wins in the moment. And then what we know for people who have the highest ranking of happiness, they look to the future in a unique way. And there's two elements there that they're usually looking towards. One, they're enthusiastic about something in the future. They're not optimistic. Optimistic would mean, you know, I believe stuff in general from today will turn out well. I believe that tomorrow is gonna be good. Happy people are enthusiastic about something specific tomorrow or in the future. Very specific. They like, they're enthusiastic about getting to do that project or complete that project. They're enthusiastic about that wedding coming up. They're enthusiastic about that thing gonna come out. They're in, there's something they look for, it's very specific. It's not a general optimism, though that also has been shown very, very high in correlation to happiness, one of the highest rankings being optimistic, thinking things will turn out well. But really happy people, when they talk about the future, there's something specific they're excited about. So I ask you, what could you be excited about for tomorrow? What's hanging out there that you haven't allowed yourself to believe in and get stirred up about? Because, you know, we're so scared of being disappointed that we destroy our happiness. We say, I don't want to get enthusiastic because it might not go well. And so we cage ourselves into an unsatisfying life. If you want to be happy again, you have to open yourself again to the idea that things can be great. You got to open yourself again to that hope, that optimism. You got to open up yourself again to the possibility, yeah, you might be disappointed. But here's the thing, I always tell people, what would you rather experience? A life in which you don't do anything and you never look forward to anything because you're scared of disappointment, which by the way means you are continually living in disappointment. Or you say, you know what? I look forward to that. I think that could happen. I'm gonna go for it. You do take action, but at least if you do get disappointed, the whole time you are taking action, you are developing competency, knowledge, skill, ability, talent, mastery. So even if you got disappointed, you know what the disappointment came as? It came at the very end as a sudden surprise. I'd rather have disappointment come at the very end, as a sudden surprise, than every single day of fear and disappointment and living in that terror that I'm gonna be disappointed and doing nothing with myself. Don't know about you, but that's how I feel. So, first, enthusiasm for a situation, something specific, it's so important. And then that next part about looking to the future is they have a sense of positive legacy. They have made up in their mind and that's all they've done, they've made it up because you, you and I, we can't read the future, we have no idea. But they've made up in their mind this story about their life having meaning and specifically a legacy. They see, looking into the future, they can see the legacy of their children. They can see the legacy of their business. They can see the legacy of the love that they created. They can see something, they can see that they're gonna leave some type of mark or some type of relationship or some type of situation where the world is better because they tried, because they showed up. And maybe you don't know what your legacy is, but you know what? You're never gonna suddenly realize it's not just gonna happen. You have to make it up. So if you're not happy today, start making up stories about what you can be excited about tomorrow and about what mark you might leave, the difference you might leave, even if you don't know exactly what it is. You don't have to have precision about these things, but in general, when you cast your eyes into the future, you go, mm-hmm, that's gonna be good. Hey, it's Brandon, I'm jumping in here to tell you about another show on the Growth Day Podcast Network. Yes, both of my shows are on the Growth Day Podcast Network. My show, Motivation with Brandon Burchard and Marketing with Brandon Burchard. Those two shows are sponsored by the Growth Day Podcast Network, but we have four other incredible shows that we have launched with. The first show is straight up 
with Trent Shelton. Trent is just an incredible motivational speaker. If you've never seen this guy on stage or listened to his podcast, go subscribe to Straight Up with Trent Shelton. He's got over 12 million fans online. Why? Because he just brings the fire. He's so incredibly passionate. He's so knowledgeable about the struggles we have with our mental health, with our relationships. Um, and like I said, he's just absolutely a beast on stage. When you see Trent bring it, it's so incredible. Well, his podcast is a reflection of that. I mean, Trent's one of those guys charging 50 or $100,000 per keynote talk, and you can go access his podcast for free. That absolutely blows my mind. That's why I love podcasting. So go just subscribe to Straight Up with Trent Shelton. It's an incredible show that will keep you inspired. You'll hear about his real life struggles as he's trying to deal with his health. You know, being a former NFL player, an athlete, when he gets injured, or how he's trying to build his business, or how he's trying to maintain positive relationship in his life where as a creator, you know, so many people are judgmental. He's an incredible force in this world, a great friend, and somebody I know you'll learn a lot from. I just love his episodes. So go to Straight Up with Trent Shelton and subscribe today. Hey, it's Brendan, and I want to tell you about Circle and how powerful it is if you're trying to build your online community outside of Facebook groups. You know, I had this problem a couple years ago where I just started noticing when I was running a Facebook group, um, really Facebook was incentivized to kind of steal my customer and steal my audience. So they'd recommend other things I didn't like, or honestly, my members were losing my posts in the feed. I didn't really have the information or the data about the people in the group that I wanted. It was hard to actually communicate with them offline, out of the group. And most importantly, it was hard to sell stuff and have an actual business from it without driving them to other places. And then came along Circle. And it's just at the website circle.so. So just go to circle.so. And you can see that they have built this incredible platform that allows you to host a community, go live in that community, and really segment the community into these different spaces where you can give people access to different levels of content or community, which I absolutely love. Because, you know, in my businesses, I've got new people coming in, I've got paying members coming in, I've got all these different products or courses or programs, and, and they've always had these different logins, they've been all over the place. Now, with Circle, it's in one place. My community can meet there. They can post, I can post. We can use like multimedia posts as well. They can post video or audio, so can I. I can organize things, all of my content in very unique places and grant access to only some people. And of course, I can have my team in there moderating the whole community with me. Everybody needs this. Everyone's trying to build their community, but they struggle. Like what system or what tools do you need to use or have? Trust me, building it out on your own, not an option. Too expensive, too time consuming. So go to circle.so and check it out. If you're trying to build a community and really maintain control of that community and do a great job serving them and building a business from it, go to circle.so.